0: Good evening, Church. My name is Pramila. Today our Bible reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22-32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22-32. But that is not the way you learn Christ.
1: Good evening church. It is a joy to be together, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, Just to say that thank you to the music team for leading us. Uh, You'd be excited. I'm sure if you've been joining us for the last four weeks, you've been wondering to yourself, why are we reading the same passage week in, week out? Uh, For the last four weeks, we've been looking specifically at different things that Paul calls the Ephesian church to, to embody. Uh, as, they, as they live the new Christian life As they understand deeper and deeper This concept that they belong to God um, This ought to, as Paul says Transform the way they relate to one another And so for the last week, uh, four weeks That's what we've been looking at We've been just pausing and unpacking Specific things uh, that Paul says uh, To this, um, not Corinthians, Ephesians uh, We've looked at what he says about living truthfully, uh, that Christians ought to embody the truth uh, and the thing that uh, empowers them to do so is because they're members of, of one another. Uh, we saw that he goes on to talk about not just what we, use, what we do with our lips, but also what we do with our hands. Uh, he calls those who steal, uh, those who are all about taking, uh, to be givers in the world uh, where people are takers. Uh, and he urges us uh, to give, particularly those who are in need. Uh, so that's what we saw a couple of weeks back. Uh, let the thief no longer steal, verse 28, but, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in, in need. Uh, so that's what we saw. And then, Last week, we looked at uh, verse 29. Uh, there's always this negative thing that Paul is calling uh, the Ephesian church to turn away from, and then this positive things that he encourages them to embody, and then the gospel motivation. Uh, so last week, we saw uh, that uh, he says in verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, uh, but only such as is good for building up. Uh, so Christians ought to embody a life of building one another up, of wholesome speech. Uh, so he goes again to uh, talking about how we relate to one another in our, our speech. Uh, this week we're looking specifically at the topic of forgiveness, specifically at the topic of wholesome, thriving relationships. Uh, so we're going to be focusing in on verse uh, 32. I'll pick it up from verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Uh, so that's what we are dealing with tonight we, and this marks the end of our series in chapter four. Uh, we're going to pick up Ephesians again and Royden will do most of the preaching in that. Uh, In chapter 5 in October So please um, uh, be looking forward to that Just to say before we get into verse 32 That starting next week We're looking at a very interesting topic Called black text Uh, Black text, what does it mean to be a disciple And navigate our way through life And middle class life and money Uh, What does it mean to help out at home uh, still be generous uh, in church. Um, what does all all of that mean? Where do I learn to create boundaries for myself? Um, how do I deal with black text as a Christian? I think this promises to be a great, um, great, engaging topic. We will not just have the preaching, but interviews. So, can I encourage you to think about somebody um, to to talk to, talk to this uh, this week, perhaps in the office space tell them our church is dealing with the topic of black text what do you think about that and then let them speak and then say ask them why don't you join me uh, as we uh, as we uh, engage with the topic um from a biblical point of view so can i encourage you to do that uh, please be uh, looking forward to that uh, as we start that next week i'm gonna pray for us that god will help us as we get into his word this evening Uh, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the church. We are thankful that you are uh, living, that you are active, that you are busy growing your church. We are so thankful for our young adults group uh, that was able to uh, have a great time in in your word this weekend. Um, And so, Lord, I do pray um, that as we end of this series, I pray that you'd remind us, uh, that we live the Christian life because of the power that you, uh, that you give to us, uh, and that none of the stuff that was said in the last four weeks um, would be things that condemn us, uh, but would be um, filled with the gospel, the message of your grace. Uh, tonight, as we deal with this uh, difficult topic of forgiveness, um, I do pray that you uh, would just be with us uh, and illumine the power of your word uh, and speak to our hearts. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I think it's true to say that forgiveness is to human relationships what oil is to um, the engine, specifically a diesel um, engine. It is so, so important. uh, They say, those who study uh, diesel engines, uh, that the oil oil functions to stop friction. uh, So when metals uh, rub against each other, uh, they can actually, It can actually destroy uh, the engine. So the oil functions as that. It functions as a substance and a lubricant that stops the heat from destroying uh, the engine. And I think such is forgiveness when it comes to human relationships. It reduces uh, friction. Uh, it manages the heat and the pressure of relationships. If Paul says to the Ephesians that let not the sun go down in your anger... Um, what, what is required for that to happen is forgiveness. Uh, for us to resolve our anger quickly, uh, for us to take on a conscious decision to not let anger fester in relationships, uh, the only way for us to do that uh, is if we are able and willing to forgive. So it is the oil that uh, lubricates human relationships And the thing about human relationships, if you've lived long enough, you'll know that there's always friction, isn't it? Um, You are dealing with other people, and other people will always rub you off the wrong way. Maybe you are the one who rubs people off the wrong way. Uh, Maybe you are the one who's always saying the wrong stuff. I find myself sometimes saying things, and then other people are receiving a different message. Have you ever felt that? where you said something, and then somebody interpreted what you said in another way, and then they hurt by what you said. Um, if you've never been there, uh, you are a perfect human. Um, but you, we, we rub each other the wrong way, and that's the nature of human relationship. Uh, there is always friction. In his book uh, that is titled, and we did this course a couple of weeks back, it was a marriage enrichment course, uh, and it is titled, What Did You Expect? Uh, and it's a, good, uh, it's a good book, by the way. If you're in a serious relationship, if you're considering marriage, or if you are married, uh, you need to read this book, What Did You Expect? Uh, and as the title suggests, uh, What Did You Expect? As you get into marriage, many of us have this perfect uh, picture of what the relationship will look like. And basically the gist of this book uh, is that uh, it's going to be tougher than that. Um, and one, one of the things that Paul Tripp says is that when you marry somebody, just remember that it is one sinner marrying another sinner living in a sinful world. So that's the recipe for disaster. That's the recipe for friction and conflict. Uh, that is the place where forgiveness is needed the most uh, for that relationship to, to thrive. Now marriage is the most intimate Of human relationships and I think what Paul Tripp says doesn't just um, limit um, to it's not just limited to marriage relationships I think for any relationship uh, that you enter into you are rubbing shoulders with a sinner you yourself are a sinner you live in a sinful sinful world uh, and that's a recipe for disaster and thus we need this oil of forgiveness, uh, forgiveness to, to, uh, to maintain those relationships uh, so that the friction does not destroy human relationship. Uh, but here's another thing uh, that, um, that we know, isn't it? Uh, one, we know that that is good. We know that forgiveness is a good thing. Uh, in fact, we long for forgiveness. In fact, when you're on the other side of wronging somebody, the one thing that you crave for the most is that that person uh, would forgive you that they would look favorably upon you and treat you with grace and treat you not as your sin uh, deserves uh, so we know that forgiveness is good it is good to be forgiven uh, we know that it is good not just in human relationship uh, we know that part of our christian um, not christian our nation is marked with this concept uh, of forgiveness. So forgiveness is good, uh, but another thing that you would know is that forgiveness is complicated. It is complex uh, because human relationships are complicated. Uh, and not only is it complicated, uh, but forgiveness is easier to say from the pulpit and it is hard to implement in real life. It is so hard to forgive somebody who's hurt you, who's wronged you, isn't it? Do you have uh, somebody who's, who's, who's been there? So if one forgiveness is good, it is part of the culture that we have lived in. Uh, in fact, the, some of the founding uh, principles of our nation is that we come from a whole history of oppression. And one of the things that led us to the South Africa that we have today is what we know as the truth and Reconciliation Council, the TRC uh, led uh, by Desmond Tutu himself. Uh, and he's hailed the hero uh, of our country. And we know that we find ourselves in the situation we are in, where we can rub shoulders with one another because of uh, that. Um, the TRC. Uh, there was such a great transition uh, from animosity uh, to forgiveness uh, to living in inner South Africa that we know and love. Uh, today. Yet there are those who, when Desmond Tutu passed on, would say, Man, we feel like, in as much as that's true, in as much as we, uh, we live through the TRC, but surely, surely uh, this was not the best way possible. Surely TRC was just a, as some would call it, a publicity stunt uh, to make sure that we don't kill each other. Uh, surely we still live with the atrocities of the past and there was no accountability. So it receives different um, uh, different um, uh, views. Uh, some think it is a great thing. Some think, well, it is complicated. Uh, and uh, at best, it wasn't what needed to happen in this country. People needed to be kept accountable. Uh, so not only is it good, uh, it is Complicated because many ask the question: Does forgiveness, forgiveness rather, not perpetuate uh, the pain that perpetrators caused? If I forgive somebody, and we live in a country that is ravaged with gender-based violence, if I forgive somebody who's wronged me in such a way, surely I'm perpetuating them, and I'm enabling them to go again and oppress another another person. It is complex. Uh, surely things like the trc things like people say no you must just forgive and forget places the burden on the victim to just forgive and forget surely that's unfair uh, for for them Uh, forgiveness is complicated we know in our own lives that it feels like we've been robbed of something when you just forgive somebody for the wrong they've done to you it feels like you're giving away something when somebody tells you Forgive and forget. Uh, so forgiveness is good. It is complicated, but it's also hard. It is hard to forgive. Um, one of the things that adults do is that they put pressure on children to forgive. I mean, if you have you ever done that? Maybe you are babysitting. Somebody slaps the other, or well, the one kid smacks the other one. I don't know why they do that. Um, I think it's the mother's jeans at work there. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, I don't really mean that. <laughs> you forgive me. Thank you so much. Um, but one of the knee-jerk reactions that we have as adults when children get in a bit of a tussle is that, say sorry to your brother. Say sorry. And often, very often, kids would say, I'm sorry. <laughs> like begrudgingly uh, embrace uh, saying sorry because they're not even in remorseful. And then what do we say to the other party? Well, your brother has said sorry. Uh, just forgive them. Um, and what, what we often see is that it's very hard for children, uh, even at that young age, uh, to do that, uh, to do that thing. For first to ask for forgiveness, and then to give um, uh, the, the person who's wronged you Uh, through pass and forgiveness. It is not just children. I think we just grow older and we are still the same same old, same old children. It is very difficult uh, one to say sorry. It is very difficult to say that I forgive you. Because very often that comes with a lot of hurt. uh, That comes with a lot of pain. That comes with a lot of scars. uh, That if I forgive this uh, person, what? What about the hurt that they, they have caused me? It feels justified to hold on to their pain. It feels justified to hold on to them and that um, tiger on their neck uh, to say, "I don't forgive you." It is very hard um, to forgive. It is within us as humans to find it difficult to forgive because forgiveness takes a lot from us. Uh, it requires a lot. Uh, from us. And here's what we're going to see later on that the gospel empowers us to step into what God has called us to do. Only the gospel can empower us uh, to forgive, uh, uh, as such. We're going to read um, a story in the Bible of this. But first, let me tell you another story. Uh, this is the story of uh, a guy from Blue Hills Estates. His name is Otepeng. Uh Otepeng, by the way, that is my other name. Um, they, my father's family gave me the name Otepeng. Uh, please don't ever call me that. Um, we rejected it at a young age. Anyway, Otepeng is 28 years old. Otepeng comes from uh, Limpopo province. Uh, he's all the way from Sishihu. Um Has anything good ever come out of Sishihu? Um The Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says so. Um, Otepeng is hustling and bustling in Jobek and he's set up a good business for himself Uh, he is doing what we call drop shipping Uh, how many of us know what drop shipping is basically you uh, import stuff maybe from china or you get a local supplier and what you do is if people need hard drives uh, if they need usbs if they need inverters that's the uh, business that's booming nowadays uh, or gas heaters uh, you uh, i import those things and then you sell them uh, as um, on on platforms like take a lot so you become a supplier so Tepeng is running that business and it's booming it is doing well so much so that he was able to buy a house at blue hills estate Eesh. started from the bottom now we are we here um teping sees that this business is booming so he wants to expand uh, business. But in order for him to do that, he can't generate enough uh, income to expand quickly, uh, and the markets are booming because everyone wants to get into their business. So he remembers that he has an uncle who is part of, uh, I'm not going to call this party, but it is yellow, black, and green. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what, what, what he's done, his uncle has done well for himself. Uh, he's a tenderpreneur. And he loves investing in black business, he loves supporting black business. So he says, I have a plan. I think I'm going to chat to my uncle to lend me some money so as to expand this business. Uh, so he goes, uh, to, he goes home, and then he speaks to uh, his uncle, brings him a bottle of whiskey, then um and then everything is good there. Uh, they get to, to speak, and he says, I just need 1.5 uh, to expand this business. Um, to which the uncle is surprised. 1.5 what thousand? Um, no, well, 1.5 million rand um, to expand this business. He shows him the numbers. The numbers make sense uh, for him to invest. Uh, so his uncle goes in and decides to invest in this uh, in this business. He believes in this young man. Uh, off he goes, uh, and he goes on to uh, take this money to try to expand this business and lo and behold, and I've had many stories of this um, where a business partner swindles you out of your money uh, this is the reality if you're doing business with somebody even if it's a church, that's another sermon for another day <laughs> just make sure you talk to other people just make sure that you have your checks and balances in the right place because again, you might need to forgive uh, later on in life so, please avoid avoid that. So, anyway, it happens that Ping, um is swindled by the business partner. <laughs> All the money is gone. Not only the money that he borrowed, uh, but the money that they had made uh, together. Um, at the start of 2020, he thinks to himself, maybe I can just resuscitate this business. It was doing well. Maybe I can pay that money back. Uh, and he has this hope. And then COVID hits, and he is out uh, of business. There's nothing uh, he can do. Uh, we are under lockdown, and his uncle is like chief. Where is that money uh, that you said you were gonna uh, give back to me? Where is that money? Uh, at by 2020, at least the government lowers the interest rates or tap things. Maybe just maybe we'll make it, uh, but the business never comes to be come what it, what it was before. He loses everything, uh, and his house is nearly uh, repossessed. And he thinks to himself, what am I going to do? Uh, and then he goes begging for mercy um, at the uncle. please, just, man, I'm down and out. If I lose this house, it is it. This is it. I'm going to have to go back to Sushikho. Now, that's the story of um, Otepeng. Um, Otepeng goes to ask for forgiveness, and the uncle, after thinking long and hard, after trusting uh, that his niece uh, could have done better, uh, he just forgives him. He just um, decides to wipe off that 1.5 million. It is a costly amount, isn't it? It is costly. It its costly but he decides, for the sake of the relationship, for the sake of him prospering, because I truly believe in this boy, I'm going to forgive him. Uh, and he came to ask for mercy anyway. Two months later, out of desperation, otepeng goes out. And then as he's sitting at Starbucks, getting that free coffee from F&B, he thinks to himself, what, what is the next move? And then he remembers the 200,000 that one of his other cousins... Uh, owed, owed to him. He picks up a call, uh, a phone and calls his cousin uh, and he says, Chief, <laughs> I'm down and out. Uh, how's about the 200K that I gave you when things were were going well? Um, this cousin obviously says, I can't pay you. Then he decides to scheme and go to Kwamai. Mai. Mai. Uh, that's where the inkabis are found. Inkabis are uh, paid assassins he pays somebody not to assassinate his cousin' cousin, but just to roughen him up a bit, uh, roughen him up a bit so that he can pay him back the money, uh, so he goes pays the last money that he has um, that he made from um, hustling to an, inkabi, and he goes to roughen up his cousin, obviously, the family is infuriated because they found out that he did this. Obviously news arrives uh, in his uncle's ears uh, that Otepeng has gone and done this. And his, his, um, his uncle becomes infuriated and he goes back and says I want every last cent of that 1.5 million that you owe me. Now that's not a true story. It's a made up story. Um, but it does respond re relate to the story that Jesus tells. Uh, It is not a made-up story, it's a parable. Okay, Jesus tells this parable. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, uh, as Jesus tells this parable of Otepe. As we read this, let us have that uh, whole story that I just told uh, in mind. Jesus has just told them uh, about forgiving one another, how they ought to live in the new kingdom. Uh, We're not in Paul's uh, epistle anymore. We are in Matthew's gospel, uh, and Matthew has been talking about what it means to live in the new kingdom of God. And uh, in chapters 15, he talks about forgiving and how one goes through the process of forgiving a brother and then peter responds in verse 29 have a look at it then peter came up and said to him lord how how often will my brother sin against me and i forgive him okay jesus i understand that you say i must forgive but how many times (laughs) must i do that how many times must my brother sin against me and i must forgive them as many as seven times Have a look at what Jesus says in verse 22. This is hard, what Jesus calls those who are part of the kingdom to do. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Uh, That is a lot of times. Uh, That is a lot of forgiveness to do. Uh, In one day, uh, it is hard enough to forgive somebody once. 77 times. And obviously this is an exaggeration on Jesus' part But he's saying, if you are part of the kingdom, this ought to mark your life. Your life must be marked by forgiveness. Then he goes on to tell a story like I told you uh, the story. Listen to what he says in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Verse 24, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since, that's like 1.5 million or more. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold. Uh, this is what would happen in the ancient world. That they would sell you off to slavery for a fee uh, to cover up what you, what you owed. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Verse 20, 26 so the servants fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Verse 27, And out of pity for him, the master of the servants released him and forgave him the dead. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's maybe 10,000 rand. And seizing him, he began to choke him. I laugh when I read this because I imagine the picture of him choking the guy and saying, "Pay what you owe." Verse twenty-nine. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, "Have patience with me, and I will pay you." Notice the same words that he said to the servants. These are the same words that this fellow man who owed him says, "Have patience with me. Patience with me. I will pay you." Notice his response in verse thirty. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what he had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their, to their master all that had taken place. When his master summoned him and said to him, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that, that debt, because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servants, as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do the very to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Uh, so that comparison, uh, notice them of a master. Who forgives this servant uh, who owes him a massive amount? Uh, he forgives him, yet this servant fails to do the same thing that his master did for him. Uh, he goes on to demand from somebody who is pleading for mercy and for forgiveness. And Jesus says that this is a picture of life in the kingdom. That in as much as we are forgiven, we ought to embody the same Forgiveness. Inasmuch as God has forgiven us the master, we ought to forgive other people. It sounds like Jesus says in verse 13 that God's forgiveness towards us is based on us forgiving others. Right? So it seems like if I don't forgive, God will not forgive. Yet that's not what the parable is saying. The parable is saying because God has forgiven us, he's empowered us to forgive others. Uh, he's empowered us to step out into others step out to all those who have wronged us and embody forgiveness embody forgiveness um so that's uh, the story of that that jesus tells the story of life uh, in in the kingdom and paul tells the same principle as he speaks to the church in ephesus verse 32 This is the Christian life. This is what we ought to embrace. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And just as you're about to ask, how am I going to possibly pull that off? How am I going to forgive that person that thing? I wonder who comes to your mind when I say this. I wonder who comes to your mind when you hear the word forgive. Who has wronged you in life? Uh, Who has done you a great deal of harm? I think for many years, for me, whenever I hear the message of forgiveness, my father comes to mind, and I often think to myself, Flip, I thought I had forgiven him all those years ago, but little did I know that there's still bitterness, Um, there's still things in me uh, that need to be worked out, there's still uh, part of me that needs to continually forgive him for not being there in, in my life. Now, Martin Luther King Jr., who was uh, both a politician and a Christian, said this about forgiveness. He says that forgiveness is not an occasion occasional act. It is a constant attitude. A forgiveness is not something that we can say we've arrived at. A forgiveness is not something that we do part-time. But it is part of we are as Christians. It is part of something that we embody. And I wonder for you uh, who that person is uh, when we talk about forgiveness that your mind goes to. Who is that person who owes you a few denarii? And just as you look at your own relationship with God and what God has done for you, how can that empower you to forgive that person? Uh, Do you think it's even Fathomable, do you think you can wrap your mind around forgiving that person? Well, the Bible reminds us, in verse 32 of Ephesians, he says, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Uh, you see, what we need to remember is that human forgiveness is so dependent on divine forgiveness human depend rather human forgiveness is so dependent on divine forgiveness the more we understand just how much god has forgiven us the more we will be able to step into what he calls us to do uh, to be able to forgive others uh, we see this in ephesians again in chapter 1 chapter 1 verse verse 7 what does paul say there to the ephesians he reminds them that this is the length uh, that God went uh, to forgive you of your, of your sin. Chapter 1, verse 7. In him that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Blood there represents the life that Jesus gives to us. Redemption simply means that we are bought back from a marketplace, uh, from being slaves into a family. Perhaps we owed a debt that we could not pay, and Jesus pays with his own life to bring us into the place of belonging in the family of God. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. God lavishes this grace upon our lives so that we can lavish it upon other people. Um, Forgiveness is something that you can only dish to others, if you've tasted it yourself, and unless you've tasted it in your own life, you cannot and will not and are unable uh, to step and forgive uh, forgive others. The gospel empowers us um, to to forgive. Now, here's the thing: um, perhaps you are struggling and grappling with what I'm saying. Um, there's this new book by Timothy Keller. It is called "Forgive." makes for an interesting read it is very very challenging when it comes to the topic of forgiveness i haven't read all of it but so far he unpacks what forgiveness looks like both in the bible and then in our culture around us so i encourage you to read it buy it online uh somebody bought it for me i think it was 500 Uh, i'll never spend that much money I buy my books online. They are often cheaper. Uh, But what Tim Keller in the past that I read says is that part of the reason with our struggle against, or rather in forgiving, is three things. Our culture often gravitates towards either cheap grace, little grace, or no grace. Okay, Cheap grace is just saying, not just forgive and forget. No justice at all. No accountability for anybody. And often, sometimes it is perpetuated in culture. Often it is perpetuated in South African church culture where there's so much abuse of power and people are just saying, no matter we Christian, let's just forgive. That sometimes is dangerous because it doesn't keep people accountable. That is cheap grace that asks for no accountability at all. And sometimes people... Go to this. It, it is almost like you have to forgive. That is the thing you ought to do as a Christian. We live in a culture that puts pressure on people to just forgive. So that's the one kind of place where we get it wrong. The other place is in little grace. And little grace goes like this. I will only forgive you if you do one, two, three. Little grace is like, it is conditional. It is dependent on if you meet the criteria of um, um, my demands, I will forgive you. Uh, little grace often um, applies grace, but it has so many conditions uh, that the, the, the victim brings, or uh, the person who is in a position of forgiving uh, brings. And often um, we struggle to forgive because we insist on this. We insist on people taking their part um, for us to be able to forgive them. Uh, I'll say that of all the years I've engaged with my father, he's only said sorry once uh, for all that he has done, for his unavailability, for the many times he's disappointed me. He said no once. And, and very often it feels like, should I continue forgiving somebody who doesn't even ask for forgiveness? Why, why, why are you doing that? Well, Jesus reminds us that that's the Christian thing to, to do. So cheap grace says, just forgive and forget, no accountability, little grace, on condition that he does X, Y, and Z, then and only then will I forgive. I'll continue harboring this bitterness within me until they do that. Uh, and then the other thing is no grace. And no grace is, is the order of our culture today. It is part of cancer culture that says, let us not even forgive. Because forgiveness we've seen it perpetuates it, it, it breeds perpetrators and more and more perpetrators cancer culture if you do one thing wrong that's it that is the end of you and that's the culture that we live in a culture that knows no grace and I'm sympathetic towards that culture because it is a culture that is responding against um, time and time again being oppressed, being done wrong uh, and so it defends those who are Who are aching, and very often it puts grace out of the picture. So, cheap grace, little grace, no grace. But Tim Keller says that there is another way, um, another way, and that's the way of the cross. That is the way of the master who forgives his servant a great deal. That is costly grace. That is costly grace that God lavishes on us. That is vertical. Is it? Again, I'm struck with this. What is this? Horizontal. Vertical. What? <laughs> vertical. Up. Okay. This relationship with God. This horizontal relationship with God. Ah, this upward relationship with God. <laughs> it's half past seven. <laughs> English. I did not do well in uh, higher grade math in uh, grade 12. Um, This relationship that we have uh, with the Father is the one that empowers us to have this relationship with other people. And this relationship with God the Father is costly. It costs God everything, the life of his very son to forgive us. And if he's forgiven us this much, I know that very often it feels like people's sins towards us are this much. But in comparison to how much God has forgiven us, uh, what other people do to us, sometimes it is this little. And I'm not belittling, I'm not um, diminishing the hurt that it costs you. But in comparison to what God has done for us, um, this forgiveness is massive. And this relationship that we have with the Father empowers us to move towards other people. In a life of forgiveness, uh, it takes God and God's power to enable us uh, to do what Paul calls us to do in verse 32 be kind to one another. How can we do that? Well, we can do that through the resources that we have uh, in Jesus. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. May God empower us as we go into this week, as we just think about that one person. I don't know who that is for you. That one person who's done you wrong. uh, To say that this week, I'm going to, first I'm going to read that parable. I'm going to read what uh, God calls me to do in Matthew chapter 18. And I'm going to pray to God. And perhaps it's hard to make the phone call to say, I've forgiven you. Somebody hasn't asked for forgiveness. Maybe that's not what you do. Maybe you take baby steps and saying, God, please give me a heart of forgiveness. Uh, Please give me a heart uh, of grace. Uh, Please give me a heart that would say, it costs you everything. It will cost me everything to step towards this person and forgive them. And may God help us as we do that this week. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are... So mindful of um, just human sin and brokenness, some of the deep hurt that we all have, um, the times where people have hurt us, the bitterness that we hold on to. And and very often, Lord, we confess that this bitterness fuels our life, it is the thing that we live for, uh, and it becomes harder and harder to forgive. Um, Lord, sometimes we feel like you are unfair. Because how could you allow for those people to hurt us in that way, to do that to us? And I do pray, Lord, that uh, throughout this series, that we might have picked up something of your character, that you are a loving God, uh, a gracious God, uh, who is gracious towards us, his children, so as to empower us to be gracious towards others. Lord, we know that you look at people in this world, through the eyes of grace, uh, through the eyes of wanting to bring them into your family. And so, dear Lord, I pray that you'd give us eyes to see people the way that you see them, as people in need of forgiveness. I pray, Lord, that we will not be, as Christians in this world, uh, just dormant who perpetuate brokenness by not confronting sin, I pray that you'd give us courage to stand up against uh, those who oppress, those who cause harm, and that we would keep them accountable. But I pray, Lord, that you'd make us also people of costly grace, people who embrace the forgiveness that comes from the cross and steps towards others in the same way to forgive. So please empower us as we step into this week, as we think of that one person, uh, to apply your word. Uh, and to live it out. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.